I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Happy Q&A Wednesday. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are answering a question sent in about neurodiversity and the Enneagram. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. So my rose is in a mid-launch for Brave Collective, which is my online community all about creating the balance between self-care and productivity. And I'm opening it up to new founding members. There's going to be more on that in a second, but it's a really exciting time for me because I love this program. I have been like working really hard on the new curriculum and I just cannot wait for people to dive into it. My bud is that I'm doing something special every day this week in my celebration of my birthday week. So um, from Tuesday to Tuesday of the week, I'm just kind of treating myself to something a little bit special. And I think today I'm going to make homemade tiramisu and I'm really looking forward to it. My thorn is that I have these beautiful fresh flowers that my husband got for me and they we kind of like keep them on the kitchen table all the time. I don't know if you guys know secrets to fresh flowers, please tag me on Instagram or message me and let me know um, because I just feel like they die so fast. Um, And then when flowers start to die, it gets like real gross real fast. Um, So we're in the, I really need to toss these before it gets too gross phase of my fresh flower moment, but I love them and I just don't want to let them go. All right, so real quick before we dive into the episode, I wanted to let you know about the launch of Brave Collective and really give you my my spiel um, for those of you who might be interested, all right? Um, So here is my Brave Collective spiel for you. What if I told you there was a step-by-step system that shows you how to find the perfect balance between productivity and self-care so that you don't feel guilty for how you spend your time? Would you be in? What if I also told you that it takes your Enneagram type and personal circumstances into account so that it's not just one-size-fits-all advice, but an actual system that you can use to make sustainable change in your habits? I'm creating a brand new system for self-care and time management, and we're starting this month. I've opened up 25 new founding member spots. It's in my community, The Brave Collective. It's a year-long program dedicated to finding that perfect balance between self-care and productivity. It includes the new curriculum, a a robust workshop library, monthly Brave Kits, The monthly Brave Kits include daily journaling prompts, weekly thought exercises, moon rituals, meditations, and bucket lists. There's monthly group calls via Zoom. I do weekly office hours where you can ask me any and all life, work, and the pursuit of balance questions in Marco Polo. And we have a members-only Facebook group for connecting with other Brave Collective members there and so much more. I'm rewriting the curriculum to walk you step-by-step through the process of creating that work-life balance that so many crave. So whether you are overworked and underpaid or you're feeling really stressed out um, and you need to create more self-care, or maybe you're like really good at self-care and you're, you're having a harder time getting things done. Either way, this is for you. It's all about bringing things back to the center and finding a rhythm that works for both. I'm looking for 25 new members to join at a discounted rate in exchange 
for feedback on the curriculum through monthly surveys. So essentially, I'm making this really cheap for you because I want your support in making sure that this is perfect. It's exactly what you need. Um, I've created what I believe you need, and then I'm going to use your feedback to tweak and improve and make sure it is flawless. So a year of Brave Collective typically costs $470, but I'm offering for the next three days for only $250. So you can get all of 2021 for just $250. So if one of your goals this year was to have more work-life balance, this may be the time for you to join. I'm answering questions over the next couple of days on Instagram. If you have questions about, about joining the Brave Collective, just go over there, pop it in the question box and let me know and I will make sure they get answered. Now let's dive into today's episode. I get questions kind of of this nature really often in my DMs, so I'm excited to finally get to dive into it today. Let's hear from today's caller. Sarah Jane, my name is Laura. My question for you today is I'm wanting to know more about the Enneagram and neurodiversity. Um, I think uh, that's been something that I've been learning about more in the past couple of years. Um, personally, I have recently uh, typed myself as a type five, and I've also um, recently self-diagnosed uh, with autism, and I'm on the journey to get an official diagnosis for that. Um, but even if I don't meet the diagnostic criteria, I still identify as um, having a non-typical neurotype. Uh, to me, I feel like my type 5 and my neurodiversity, there's a lot of overlap there and kind of dovetailing. But I also realize that you know, um, people of all different neurotypes can be all different kinds of numbers and vice versa. Um, so I'm wondering if there's any literature out there about that. And if not, uh, what your thoughts are. Um, yeah, thank you. I love your podcast. Okay, so I'm going to try my best to organize my thoughts on this, but we're going to see how it goes. First of all, this is a common question, right? I receive it in a lot, a lot of different variations. Some Sometimes people are like, are all type 7s ADHD or all people with ADHD a type 7? Are all people experiencing OCD a type 1? Are all people with anxiety type 6? Are all people with autism type 5, etc.? In some ways, there are kind of overlaps. However, the simple answer is there is no conclusive research that I have seen that can draw this connection. Now, let's talk about that a little bit. First, I'm personally of the belief that neurodiversity exists outside of the Enneagram as a model. I believe it's important to separate the two things for a couple of reasons. First, our neurodiversity requires its own honoring and its own process. But second, our neurodiversity can show up in different ways on the Enneagram. So someone with autism that's a type 5 will show up very differently than someone with autism who is a type 3. There isn't a ton of work done around this topic from what I've found, and the closest statement that I can find on the topic is really from Helen Palmer on addictions, not on neurodiversity. But it's in the type 2 chapter of her book, Enneagram in Love and Work, as she answers the question, are all type 2s codependent? Here's her quote. Our type 2s 
Codependent is a commonly asked question. It would seem that codependency is a major factor in their character. As with a nine, the other Enneagram type that habitually merges with significant people, I don't see addictions as type related. Given the opportunity, the social pressures and ripe inner conditions, anybody can get addicted to anything. Type differences do, however, affect the motivations leading to addiction and the ways an addiction is acted out. It also follows that different types of people have their own best route to healing. A striking example would be the difference between rousing anger as a healing strategy for mediators, juxtaposed to anger management for our eights. Yes, twos can be codependent, and so can every other type. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that addiction and neurodiversity are comparable by any means, but more so how they interact with the Enneagram is similar in my thinking. So, Everyone of a certain neurodiversity isn't the same type, but your type will impact how your neurodiversity shows up. Sometimes it can complicate the typing process if you are um, neurodiverse because there are so many stereotypes around the Enneagram, right? So the idea that um, type fives all look and sound the same. It's important to remember that we are typing ourselves by motivation, not by behavior, I think this is equally relatable with stereotypes in neurodiverse communities, right? It can be easy to say that all people with ADHD look alike, which looks like the stereotype that I have of a type 7. However, if we take into account like our, my personal experience, my husband who has ADHD is looks very zen when you meet him, and he's a type 4, and that doesn't really line up with the ADHD stereotype. And then I'm a type seven who is actually very focused and doesn't have ADHD and doesn't line up with a type seven stereotype. So these stereotypes are likely the reason that we can draw connections between nor or can attempt to draw connections between neurodiversity and the Enneagram. However, I would really discourage this because it does simplify both our neurodiverse, our neurodiversities and our Enneagram type. So kind of to reiterate and wrap up this idea, I would say it's not something I can confidently say is directly connected. However, they are likely correlated, meaning they impact one another. Anxiety is a good example. We could all be anxious, but it's what we're anxious about that would distinguish our Enneagram type. It goes back to that worldview, the nine distinct ways we feel as though we have to show up in the world in order to be okay. That will show up in a varied amount of ways depending on if we are neurotypical or neurodiverse, just like our neurodiversity is going to show up differently if we're a type 7 versus a type 3. Now, if you're wanting more information on this, I did listen to a really interesting Enneagram panel on neurodiversity hosted by Taylor's University. I'll link it in the show notes for those who are wanting to listen in on that as well. If you have Enneagram questions, you can call them in at 828-338-9127. Thank you so much for calling in your question. It was so fun to get to sit down and answer this one fully. And if you call in your question, we will get them answered in a future episode. As always, thank you guys for being here. I am so honored to create this content for you. If you are enjoying the podcast, a really great way to give back is simply to just take a moment and leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's how we get the podcast out to new listeners. All right, I will see you tomorrow in a new episode.